Hey, you're about to hear a brand new episode of Go Fact Yourself. And if you want to hear two more before anyone else gets to, then come to Vegas for our live audience tapings on Sunday, August 21st. All the info is at gofactyourpod.com slash Vegas. That's gofactyourpod.com slash Vegas. And now, here's me. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, recording from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Hello. I have uh, some exciting news. A couple uh, episodes ago, I talked about how I kind of accidentally fixed my washing machine. And uh, that gave me enough confidence that I somehow maybe have fixed my own car. What? I know. I'm not I'm not what people is, would think this of. This is as, big. Yes. I'm no grease monkey. <laughs> but uh, my car window just all of a sudden wasn't rolling up and down correctly. So I took it to the dealer and they said, oh, yeah, you need this uh, window regulator. But because of supply chain issues, we're not going to have it for a couple months. So uh, they ordered it and they said, just, you know, just make sure you don't roll the window down even once because, you know, if it comes off the track, then it's lost in the door and you're screwed and all that. I was like, fine. So a couple days later, it was very, very hot. <laughs> and I was like, come on, just once I could roll down the window. <laughs> and as soon as I did it, thud, it went all the way down to the bottom of the door. Oh, and I tried all man. of these home remedies I saw on uh, YouTube to try to lift it out with like tape and pliers and all home that. Home remedies like honey with lemon, <laughs> lemon and ginger. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Cold, cold compress. Yeah, tried the cold compress. <laughs> I tried a neti pot. That also didn't work. <laughs> so finally, I looked up a YouTube video about how to actually open the door, remove the panel from the door, get what? to like the metal studs and and like push the window up. And I did it. I used tools and a flashlight. Oh, and a whole thing. I am. This is the most impressed I have ever been with you. Literally the whole time I've known you. Thank you. You you removed door panels. Yes, I removed door panels and I got the window back up. Now I should I should explain. I did not repair the window. Like it still it still doesn't <laughs> go up and down. But at least it's it's not all the way down and I can you know leave it parked somewhere. Um, Whoa. Side note. Um, now the side view mirrors do not adjust. So I may <laughs> I may not have put it back exactly correct, but I'm going to take the win. I'm going to take the win because the window is still up. You deserve the win. Yay. I, a slow, slow clap. Thank you so much. I'll even take a fast clap. Fast. Yay. Hey, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. She is a comedian who is on tour now and will be releasing her third stand-up special, The Ghost of Academic Future, on September 6th. It's Liz Mealy. Hi, Liz. Hi. Congratulations on the tour, the stand-up specials. Your specials on YouTube have millions and millions of views. It's so cool. And uh, you're releasing your next one on YouTube as well. Yeah. No, I'm just out there giving away all my stuff for free. That's what I always wanted to do. <laughs> Is it because you're a giver? Yeah, I'm just a really good person. Nobody knows about it, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, as, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can let people in on that secret. The new special, as Helen mentioned, is called Ghost of Academic Future, and it premieres on YouTube at a very specific time at 8 p.m. on September 6th. What do you do during the premiere? Are you, are you watching the numbers go up? Are you live streaming? What, what, how do you uh, handle that? So what they do is, because I, I did it for my last one two years ago, a big chat is up in the corner so people mm-hmm. like can talk to you. So they, A, can give you money which is nice. Oh, nice. But nice. also they chat to you. So they'll be like, oh, that's so funny. Or what did she say there? Like, and so you can just kind of like talk to them and be a part of it. And it's like when you go to like a screening and then you're like, mm-hmm. you see Brad Pitt and you're just like, is he laughing at his own jokes? That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so you would be Brad Pitt in this scenario. I, of course I am. Oh my God. My hair looks so good. Jake Keith, like- how could you ask that? Of course, uh, that was obvious, Jake Keith. I'm leaving. <laughs> oh no, oh no. It, it's the earliest this has ever happened that we've lost a guest. I was fascinated to find out that you started stand up very early. You were 16 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I started when I was 16 and I'm only... 20 right now so that's yeah crazy. wow just <laughs> you, you look great thank you how did it go when you start stand up at 16 because it's hard enough for a lot of people when they're you know much older yeah i mean it helps to not have friends so mm. you know what's your bottom you know what i mean like what are you gonna be <laughs> like, embarrassed like, you, it's like, like you can't embarrass yourself in front of friends if you have no friends yeah it's like how i feel about social media where people are like oh i posted and nobody watched it and i was like all right you can only go up from there like it can only get better <laughs> i got kicked out of a lot of clubs because like there's some rules at comedy clubs that if you serve food you can have somebody under 21 i was uh-huh. you know uh, helen knows that you, you're doing a lot of bar shows and a lot of like mm-hmm. weird venues when you first start out because you can't get into the clubs so i did this place that w- was a, i was 16 years old one half of it was a strip club and the other half they were trying to make a comedy club and sometimes <laughs> i would come all the way to the city i lived in new jersey i'd come all the way to the city and i would be able to do a show sometimes they'd kick me out immediately because i always Aww. looked really young and then sometimes they would make me stand outside until my set then I would run on, do my set, and then I would have to run out. And like that. So I literally would have spent like maybe an hour and a half in New York City and half of it was on a sidewalk. And I was like, I was happy to do it. I was like, I'm just glad I got on stage tonight. I met, Jake Keith, I met Liz Mealy when she was already like maybe five or six years into her stand-up career, but she was still then only 19 or 20 <laughs> as a gr- grizzled veteran. And I was yeah, like, I was... what are you, what is happening? Like, what yeah. is... Do you resent that someone that young is good already or uh, do you celebrate it? A little, little, little bit of both. I, I hate to admit it, but I remember one time, Liz, we had a conversation because you were like 21 and I was not. <laughs> and I said something to you about like wearing like night cream and you were like what what do you mean what is that <laughs> do you want to hear my favorite memory i brought this up because we have a mutual friend maria shahada but i i because i'm i'm dating right now and i remember we were making a list of man demands we were all single at the time <laughs> that's right man demands she had a like a, a barometer like a, how old she wanted somebody to be and she said the age and i was like gross <laughs> 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 But now that's my age bracket, and that's why it came up in the story. I was like, oh, I'm ready to date those dudes. You're like, Helen, I feel you then. I I feel you back then. Yeah, no, I'm catching up. All right, last thing I want to ask you about, Liz, in addition to performing comedy, you also wrote a comedic book about a topic that is close to my heart. Please tell us about it. So it's called Why Cats Are uh, I currently have mine locked out of this office because he is insane. He's four months old, so Aww. we'll find out if this is his true personality. Uh, he's getting neutered next week, and I'm hoping that takes down half his uh, personality. <laughs> Just yeah. I actually feel that for half the men I know as well. I was going to say, is that a man demand as well? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's actually, I was just going to think I'll just be like my cat. I love cats. I love them with my whole heart. Both my parents are veterinarians. My mom's a cat specialist. 
But I also have all these realistic jokes about like, we love them, but they're crazy. So I was approached by an editor that had two cats with his wife. And he was like, I want somebody to write about why they suck, but from a loving perspective. And I was like, I've been waiting for this phone call my whole career. It was a joy to write. It was just all my dumb cat stories. And my cat's name is Revenge Abs. And I, I'm yelling at him all the time. I'm just abs, abs, Abby, Abigail. That's not his name. But it's, think, you're just yelling. like. But when you get mad, yeah, you do the full Christian name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like <laughs> government whatever. name. So, yeah, yeah. What's on his birth certificate? It's not even on his birth certificate. But I do love that because he's called Revenge Abs, my veterinarian has to call me up and be like, Revenge Abs stool sample came back negative. And I'm like, I'll, I'll let him know. Yeah, I always get a kick. Uh, I always get a kick when I uh, get the bill from the vet. And it's like, uh, this is for Cookie Van Stratton. <laughs> So. I love when your last name's attached yeah. where I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is HIPAA law. I got to just hand this to my cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not allowed to look. Excellent. Well, it's wonderful to have you join us. Liz Mealy, everybody. Hell against whom will Liz be competing? He is an award-winning host, producer, and musician who just wrapped up eight years of hosting the popular podcast Reply All. It's Alex Goldman. Hello, Alex Goldman. Hi, thanks for having me. Alex, you sound wonderful. I have to say for our listeners, you look a little different than maybe when you would have done podcasts before you ended Reply All. Can you tell us about what's going on there? Yeah, man, this is a real downgrade. This actually harkens back to the early days of Reply All when we had a uh, studio that had no filtra- like no air filtration whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is blast the air conditioning as hard as we could so it would get like a uh, refrigerator cold in there, mm-hmm. then run in, record until we sweated, <laughs> and then run back out, which is what I just did in my bedroom closet. Which yes, is where I'm in a similar it. situation in my uh, in my office as well. We'll talk about Reply All a little bit more in a moment, but Helen mentioned, of course, you are a musician. Your band is called Slow Fawns, uh, which mm-hmm. I had not heard of, so when I was doing some research, the first thing I found is uh, it's described on your Twitter as, what if synthesizers, but silly, but angry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you care to expand on that, or are you going to let that uh, be the description? It's yeah. really just, I mean, I, it's called a band, but it's really just me. I had a couple people uh, record some vocals on it, and I had a couple people, I had my friend John, who is in a great band called Oneida. That sounds uh, much more than you. He played drums on one song and then everything else was <laughs> so like oh. Alex um, when we were rehearsing and I introduced you I swear to god I heard maracas did you play maracas for yourself after your intro <laughs> I'm always accompanied by the sound of maracas I should have one of those little key- you know those you know those little keychains that that like make sirens or fart yeah. sounds I should just have a maraca keychain <laughs> Alex Goldman <laughs> I, like, I like this Alex Goldman because he just, I said his name and he went, yeah. and I was he's like, got, nice. He's got Zaz. Nice. I'm naturally musical. <laughs> Alex, of course, you did recently end Reply All. Congratulations on the fantastic run of that show. Uh, on the you. last episode, you said that you don't know what's next. Do you have any update on what's next for you? I certainly hope to figure it out soon. I mean, I was dead serious about wanting to make that Crypt Keeper TV show. So oh, right. I'm, that was a very fun segment. In the last episode of Reply All, I talked about how I wanted to make a TV show about the Crypt Keeper, the character from Tales from the Crypt, but it's like about his life post-celebrity. Like, you know, 20 years after the show's been canceled, he's trying to, like, make ends meet. He's working as an Uber driver. He's a single dad. And one of the things I learned while I was reporting that story is that the IP rights for the Crypt Keeper and for Tales from the Crypt are, like, hopelessly tangled up between different companies. And after the episode aired, this guy got in touch with me. And was like, hey, I'm an IP lawyer. I work in Hollywood. I think I might have some <gasps> thoughts for you. Would you like what? to meet up? Or would you like to have a have a conversation? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, also, I have great horror bona fides. Just Google me. And I looked him up. 
and he played Shelly in Friday the 13th Part 3. Wow. (laughs) The the most bona of the bona fides. Yeah, seriously. You also said on that episode that you are happy not to report any more stories in your life. I'm I'm curious, uh, how come? Was there like a last straw that you're just done with reporting? I'm sure I'm going to report stories again in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm too curious not to. But you have to understand that like, for every story that made it to air, there were probably 10 to 15 that were killed in very early stages or sometimes in very not early stages where, you know, mm. we would work on them for months. Right. Um, I was months into a story that I really, really wanted to report right before the show ended. We were struggling so hard and we were like, I just don't think there's an ending to this. And also the show is ending and we don't yeah. have time. <laughs> But it was heartbreaking because I really, I mean, I thought it was a great story and I thought it would be a great story to go out on instead of just being like, I want to make a show about the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. But you know, what can you do? <laughs> it's all relative. Reply All was famously described as a show about the internet. Uh, do you have thoughts about, is the internet better or worse than when you started the show? Infinitely worse. Infinitely, Infinitely worse. worse. The Internet has become very homogenous, first oh. of all. And mm-hmm. second of all, it has become just this petri dish for far-right radicalization and even places that were really fun when we started, like Twitter. Twitter was so fun and so creative and the constraints of 140 characters made people come up with fantastic, amazing jokes. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just like this place now where even I am just like constantly tweeting about how outraged I am. <laughs> it's not fun <laughs> anymore. sucked you in as it's, well. Yeah. Well, is there hope? Do you think uh, there's a way of getting it better? I mean, I feel like Facebook is on a serious decline Mm -hmm. because Apple has made it much easier to block ads and Facebook's whole thing is ads. Mm. So I do think that there's like ways in which these big places are going to go away. Are they going to be replaced by other big places or are they going to be replaced by small communities again? I think they're going to be replaced by people in their closets. So I think uh, we're on the cutting edge. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, last thing I want to ask you about before you did Reply All, you used to work on one of my very favorite shows on the media. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those shows that I point to as I listen to it every week because it makes me feel sane. I feel like like they they articulate things that I feel like I've noticed and I feel that, that good sense of, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. Somebody else noticed that too. And I'm curious, is that some common feedback that you heard from on the media listeners or maybe it was something else that you heard a lot? I mean, it was equal parts like, yes, exactly what you're saying, that Mm -hmm. the show makes you feel sane. And like, that's what it did for me and why I decided to go out for an internship for it. Mm -hmm. And people who are like, you guys are shills for the liberal establishment. You're a bunch of idiots and I hate you. Being the low level grunt that I was at the time, I was the person who had to field all the listener mail. Oh, gosh. But I would say that it was more positive than negative. And When people know that I worked on that show, they're always very, very kind to me about it. Oh, excellent. Well, you were very kind to join us today. Thanks for being with us. It's Alex Goldman. All right, Liz and Alex, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Liz, you said you know a lot about rom-coms with Meg Ryan, marathon running and training, and taking care of curly hair. Whereas, Alex, you said you know a lot about the Evil Dead movie franchise, sort of the opposite of rom-coms with Meg Ryan, (laughs) 90s indie rock in southeastern (laughs) Michigan, and early hip-hop. Variety is indeed the spice of life. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Dr. Doctor. First up in Dr. Doctor is Liz with Doctor. Liz, while you might see either one of them if you have a problem, what's the difference between a doctor and a physician? A doctor and a physician. I would assume a physician is someone that uh, 
as like a medical physician while a doctor could have like a PhD. Okay, we've got Liz's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Alex, what do you think? You can steal if you don't think she's got it just right. I would think that a physician specifically works on people's bodies, whereas a doctor could do research, maybe? I, I was trailing off because I am re- this is a real shot in the dark. <laughs> oh, okay, great. All right, well, this segment needs a checkup. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. You can become a doctor by earning a doctorate in almost any field. History, forestry, literature, dentistry, veterinary. You can even earn a doctorate in nursing. But in the United States, you are a physician only if you earn that doctorate in medicine, an MD, or in osteopathy, a DO. And as soon as you earn one of those degrees, you are considered a physician, even if you never do a residency or see a patient. That's right. Here's a handy guide. If you break your radius, a doctor of mathematics might be able to calculate it, but only a physician can heal it. Helen, how did our guest do? I think Liz got both parts correct. Very nice. And congratulations, Liz. By the way, Liz, you host a show, a podcast called Two Non-Doctors. Yeah. (laughs) And yet, you know what it would take to be a doctor if you wanted. Both my parents are veterinarians. I'm very close. Oh, very good. All right. By the way, we did not plan this. Just a coincidence. Alex, I don't want you to feel that we set you up. Too late, but let's keep moving forward. All right. Up next in Doctor Doctor is Alex with Doctor. Alex, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Hello, everyone. My name is Guy Turk from Kings George, Virginia. My question for what the difference is, while both could lead to someone becoming a doctor, what's the difference between a PhD student and a PhD candidate? Goodbye, everyone. Thanks. All right, Alex, you heard Guy. What is the difference between a PhD student and a PhD candidate? A PhD student and a PhD candidate. All right, here's my guess. A PhD student, again, I got a bachelor's degree, so (laughs) (laughs) flying blind here. PhD student is someone who is in the program to eventually earn a PhD. Mm-hmm. A PhD candidate is someone who has written their dissertation and now has to defend it. Oh, defense. All right. We've got Alex's answer. Liz, what do you think? I kind of agree. A PhD student is still a student and a PhD candidate is um, has one more step before they can actually have their PhD. So, like, I'm assuming they haven't graduated. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Maybe they have to like give someone a high five. I don't. Yes, man, that's, I'm, I'm that's a, a very <laughs> common obstacle to uh, becoming becoming a PhD. Yeah, no, something something official has to happen. But I like Alex to have a B, you know, a BA in garbage. Okay. <laughs> Please, it's the garbage arts. Uh, all right. Well, this segment needs to graduate. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A PhD student is anyone who has been accepted into a PhD program and is actively working on their degree, but has not finished their coursework and any required exams. A PhD candidate is a student who has completed all their coursework and any required exams, but has not completed their final project or dissertation. Or defended it. That's right. By the way, neither is an accurate indicator of how long a person has been in school because a PhD student could be someone who was on their first day of a program or on their last day before they take their final exam, and some PhD candidates take years to complete their dissertations after that. And now we have completed our dissertation on the difference between a PhD student and a PhD candidate, and it only felt like it took years. Helen, how did our (laughs) guest do? Alex, I'm going to give you a point and a half. 
because you said in the program you didn't specify that they haven't finished their coursework. You did say in the program, but you did mention uh, written their dissertation and needs to defend it. So you didn't get student 100%. I'm going to give you a point and a half. A point and a half for Alex. All right. And what is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Liz Mealy has two points and Alex Goldman has a point and a half. All right. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, if I'm not mistaken, you are a person who has a home that has a yard. Is that right? That is correct. That must be so nice. You can have people over, put a solo stove fire pit there. What is that? You don't know about solo stove fire pits? I don't. Oh, Helen, it is a smokeless fire pit that you can get from solo stove to make your outdoor moments even more memorable. That sounds amazing because I currently have a not solo stove and it's very smoky. Well, then you know you don't want to have to constantly dodge these fumes from a fire. You want to sit back, relax, and actually enjoy it. And I want to also, and guess what? I don't have a yard. I have a driveway. So that means that I can't have a permanent fire pit. I need a portable one like the ones that Solo Stove sells. First of all, it's smokeless design, so it's not going to bother the neighbors. It's small, compact, lightweight, and easy to start. And when I'm done, I can just push it right out of the way. It's so wonderful. I've got this stainless steel model. It is amazing. You take it right out of the box, you put your firewood in it, you light it up, easy peasy, and the cleanup, it's no charred hunks of wood. It's just pure white ash. Helen, I know you don't have a solo stove, and yet you have some solo stove talking points. What are they? The stainless steel construction is designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. They are easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing within minutes, and they're so confident you'll love it. They offer a lifetime warranty and a 30-day free return policy. I don't think you're going to want to return it, though, because Solo Stove is so cool. Hey, right now, you can get big discounts on all fire pits during Solo Stove's summer sale. Use promo code GOFACT at solostove.com for an extra $10 off. What was that website, Helen? That's solostove.com, and use promo code Go fact for $10 off on top of their incredible summer sale discounts. Wow. Thank Thank you, Solo Stove. Hi, everyone. I'm Anna McLeod. And I'm Alexis B. Preston. And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's going to be a hoot on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Liz Mealy and Alex Goldman. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Liz, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about rom-coms with Meg Ryan, marathon running and training, and taking care of curly hair. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what rom-coms with Meg Ryan mean to you. I feel like everybody knows them, whether they're like 15 or like 70. You know what I mean? Like, it, like <laughs> yeah. It didn't take much. She was just like darling and wonderful, mm-hmm. like Meg Ryan. And then the rom-coms themselves, they're not all great. But I still, even when they're not great, I still love them. And they still feel like hope. They're like the movie equivalent of like mac and cheese, 
right? Yes. They're just comfort food. They're reliable. Even though the quality varies greatly, you're like, it's still mac and cheese. Yeah, like my yeah. like my stomach hurts, but I was going to do it again. I'm always going to do it again. <laughs> I'm never not going to do it. I'll say this. As a woman in her 30s, I think I aspired to be that person that was 100% themselves around everyone, whether I was on stage doing comedy, whether I was hanging out with my friends, or whether I was with a guy. And she exuded this, like, this is who I am, and you accept it. And then the men were like, yeah. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very insightful. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, Liz, next you said you know a lot about marathon running and training. I've run 13 marathons. Uh, wow. Never, never fasts. I always okay. say I'm currently still finishing the last one. Uh, when Helen was in New York <laughs> City is when I was in my, like, peak. Um, I don't like myself, so I'm going to run away from my feelings a uh, moment. Mm. Let us not like joke our ourselves away from the the feat of you running thirteen marathons. Come on, that is like clap Thank for you. Thirteen yeah. marathons, holy cow! That is a feat, truly. Yeah, I you always get tacos afterwards. That's what I do. Like, <laughs> oh. you know what I mean? Like something something afterwards that I like. Just it'll make me feel better. I like goals, and I needed something outside of comedy because comedy is its own feat. That mm -hmm. um, this was always something that mentally made me feel better. I, it really is like meditative for me. All right. Finally, Liz, you said you know a lot about taking care of curly hair. I never knew what to do with it. Um, I was a gymnast for 13 years and you just kind of like a ballerina slick it back and like mm. put two. I mean, I heard the ozone layer in the 80s and I'm <laughs> apologizing. Like, I, so I, it wasn't until I was like in college that I she's still a good friend of mine. My friend Nitika Chopra. And we were doing a scene. And after the scene was over, she goes can I help you with your hair? Oh. And I was like, insult. I was so mad at her. But at the same time, I did need that help. She had beautiful, like wavy, curly hair. And I finally was like, sure. But she taught me about diffusing, using a diffuser and a blow dryer. She taught me like how to scrunch and stuff and, and told me how to experiment. And I have so many curly hair friends. First of all, when they compliment you, it's like this little spoken word where they're like, your curls look amazing. And you're like, mixed chicks. They've saved my life. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like uh, It's my favorite, like, girl conversation. It's another community, like the running and training. Oh, the, it's the, the best. marathon running. That's yeah. great. All right. So to summarize, Liz, you said you know a lot about rom-coms with Meg Ryan, marathon running and training, and taking care of curly hair. Today, we're going to quiz you about marathon running and training. Yeah. I was uh, delighted to find out you were actually profiled in Runner's World. Yeah. People know about your accomplishments. Yeah. Like, it's funny because I was, first of all, I was like the celebrity and yeah. I was I was not. And then also, <laughs> I'm not good at running. There's the most proud my dad's ever been because he has all the Runner's World quintessential stacked behind the toilet, you know. And I was like, I'm, I'm behind the toilet. Like, just like, yeah, my dad's so proud of me. <laughs> Some people want to be on the fridge. You wanted to be behind the toilet. Everybody uh, That's that's really cool. Uh, I actually have completed two marathons. I don't say run. I say I completed them. Yes. Now, after both of mine, I was very quickly hospitalized. Have you no. had that experience? Yeah, I was I was fine. It was not a big deal. But um, <laughs> have, have you had uh, any bad experiences? Oh, all of them. They're all bad experiences. <laughs> don't, don't do this to yourself. Like, I don't yeah. It really. That's why, like, I'm so pro therapy. Like, just skip the running and just go to a therapist. <laughs> but whatever uh, works for people, obviously. Um, yeah. The third okay. one I ever did, I did it in four and a half hours and I ran so fast and I was so much better than I thought it would that they had a, this is when they had chips and then it was in your shoes like it was in your mm -hmm. um laces and I did the marine corps and there was a, a marine that like was trying to help me get it off my laces because you had to return it and I almost passed out but then mm -hmm. I like almost fell in the arms of a marine and I was like this oh is not a bad day <laughs> <laughs> another great man demand <laughs>
All right, Liz, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in your subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Alex, do listen closely because if Liz answers incorrectly, you can steal. Alex, by the way, how much do you know about marathon running and training? <laughs> I know what I know. What's out there? Okay, I know that people do it. Do, do you know more about taking care of curly hair? Uh, I don't have any hair, so okay. I think I might actually know less about it. <laughs> Liz, I think you're in the driver's seat here. Here's question number one for Liz Mealy. Liz, a standard marathon is, of course, 26.2 miles, but newer runners might want to work up to that by doing a half marathon. What is the distance of an official half marathon? 13.1. Helen? That is correct. That oh, is God. correct. Very I'm, good. It, it was like the math. I was like, that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Fun fact, marathons commemorate the run of Pheidippides, an ancient Greek messenger who had to run about 26.2 miles to Athens from the city of Marathon. The half marathon, of course, commemorates some other guy who quit halfway. <laughs> All right, very good, Liz. Here's question number two. Marathon runners often have to deal with some very specific problems, like runner's knee, runner's toe, and what similarly named chafing condition, where if you don't use a product like body glide or band-aids, you might end the race with a pair of embarrassing blood stains on your shirt. Oh, like running nipples? I know like nipples bleed. I don't know. If, I didn't know if it had a name. I just know there's a lot of men with bloody nipples. So like runner's nipple, runner's chest. Uh, Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It's called runner's nipple. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's crazy. Like, I, that's, I, my dad ran one with me, and I literally was like, you need Band-Aids for your nipples. And I, I never thought I'd have to say that to my father. And he was, <laughs> he was like, do I? And then you just kind of look over at people doing the same thing, like body glide and yeah. putting stuff on it. And, you know. Can I just say as a not marathon runner, yeah. what you guys are describing, which is like passing out, bleeding nipples, like, it sounds Awful. I am 100% with you, Alex. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, yeah. why do people do this to themselves? Oh, it's a form of mental illness. I yeah. Well, there is a runner's it. high also. We didn't talk about the runner's high. We're yeah, talking yeah. about runner's you know, nipple. Liz, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Six of the world's biggest marathons are considered majors and have been grouped together under the sponsorship banner, the Abbott World Marathon Majors. But which of the following marathons is not considered one of those majors? Is it the New York Marathon? the Chicago Marathon, the Los Angeles Marathon, the London Marathon, or the Tokyo Marathon? Oh, I want to say Chicago. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Alex, with a chance to steal. I mean, I'm. this is a shot in the dark. I'm going to say Los Angeles. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for successful steal. Wow, Alex, now maybe we got you back into marathons. You got me into guessing about them, not necessarily participating in them. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, the majors are also known as the Six Stars, and anyone who runs all of them is eligible to receive a Six Star medal, uh, which I was disappointed to learn you cannot just buy on eBay. <laughs> all right, here's question number four. A good marathon runner has good marathon running shoes, and according to Runner's World, which you've been profiled in, conventional wisdom says that the best shoes make sure that when your foot lands, it rolls inward about 15%, which optimally distributes the forces of impact. What's the term for this natural motion your foot makes when it lands? And Helen, how about that first hint? It's not anti-nation. Pro-nation. Pro-pronating. Pronate. You pronate. Helen? That is correct. That okay. is correct. It is pronation. Very good use of the hint. <laughs> 
I'm just your eyeballs. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> we want you to. We want you to do well. We want Alex to do well also. We like, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in his segment. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact: rolling in your foot more than fifteen percent is called overpronation. Under fifteen percent is called supination. And we qualified our question with conventional wisdom because experts disagree about how much pronation actually matters when it comes to injury. All right, Liz, here's your final question. You do still have a hint available. Speaking of injuries, which again is not the main part of bad marathon running, <laughs> but is is definitely a part of it. It kind of is. <laughs> One of the most common injuries for marathon runners, especially for women runners, is to the IT band, also known as iliotibial band friction syndrome. According to Yale University School of Medicine, why are women runners much more likely to have an IT band injury than men? I know I should take the hint, but I just want to say like wide hips. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Did Ooh. not need the hint. Liz nice. triumphantly raising her arms as as though she just crossed the finish line of a marathon. High five Very... nobody because nobody's with me. I'm so yeah. slow. But when you high five, that's how you become a doctor. Yeah. Fun fact, these injuries are particularly common in women because their wider hips put more stress on the IT band. Also, according to Yale Medicine, a root cause of IT band injury is weak buttock muscles. So if you want to be Ooh. a good runner, get a strong butt. <laughs> All right, Liz, you did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Liz, the world's oldest annual marathon has been held in the United States since 1897, but took until 1972 to allow women to officially compete. In 2018, Des Linden became the first American woman to win that marathon in over 30 years. Because of the cold temperatures, rain, hail, and headwinds, her finish time was over 15 minutes longer than when she came in second place in that same race seven years earlier in 2011, which at the time was the fastest time ever run in this race by an American woman. So, for up to three points, what marathon did Des Linden win in 2018 and almost win in 2011? What was her winning time in 2018? We'll give it to you within five minutes. And how did her 2018 prize winnings compare to that of the male winner of that same race? In other words, was it more, less, or the same? All right, I'm going to say Boston. I'm going to say these are this is all out my butt. Um, my very <laughs> strong butt. I'm just pulling this out of it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Two hours and ten minutes. Okay. And um, what was the last question? How did her prize winnings compare to that of the male winner of the race? Definitely less. To less. No- ne- less to nothing. I bet, less you was, to- I, I bet you they like were like, good job. That was also a high five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an extra on the hand that can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a two-time U.S. Olympian, world record holder in the 50K, and winner of the 2018 Boston Marathon, it's Des Linden. Oh, he's so exciting. Hi, Des. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have so much to ask you about your wonderful career running. I was curious to find out we were talking about, <laughs> about Liz and Helen trying to meet men. You actually met your husband from running. Marathon. Technically, he was my neighbor. Oh, um, okay. I didn't met, know that. We met running, and then we have done a number of marathons together. Not together, together, because that's bad for a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Too many miles, and usually I beat him, so I think that's true. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice power dynamic there. When you won in Boston, uh, there's this great video. He was so proud of you that you two kind of became a meme. Uh, Tell us about that image and tell us what that was like for you. Yeah, uh, man demands for sure. That's That picture (laughs) um, was something that 
was such a special moment afterwards. It's like you have your dreams and you're so passionate about them and chase those down. But it, it was kind of this moment where you realize someone else was equally invested in you and you could see it in his oh. eyes and the smile on his face. And um, yeah, that was cool. And you know, I didn't cry. know that until after. That's I, love that. I love that. Screw Meg Ryan. <laughs> you Screw Meg Ryan. You're the writer That's of the right. whole day. Yeah. yeah. Fire up the movie. I was like, you guys need to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. This, of course, Alex, was before Twitter became awful because uh, people retweeted this saying, like, you know, find a man who looks at you the way that this man looks at Des Linden. <laughs> it was really very wholesome and lovely. You and your husband actually have a business together. Tell us about that. So I traveled the world racing and running and something that we always look forward to is coffee and we kind of like throw the shoes out after a race and pack the bags full of specialty coffee or different roasts we found on the road. And that became a passion. So got back home and was like, oh, how can we roast ourselves? And got the popcorn popper, did it in the kitchen, scared the dogs when the fire alarm went off. <laughs> decided, yeah, decided to upgrade. And then now we have a company called Linden by Two and, and we roast here in Charlevoix and are able to share that kind of love and passion of something wow. else with, with others. So Very cool. Well, let's talk about your amazing run in Boston in 2018. This story is so amazing. I know you told it a bunch, but the story is so cool. You actually almost quit, and it was during a bathroom break that you made the decision to continue? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. It was, it was okay. not me in the bathroom. Yeah, so it was a tough day. It was rainy, cold. Just That's kind of how I was feeling early on, and I was like, I might just drop out and save this effort for another day. This seems mm -hmm. like it could put me in the wall for a while. An American teammate, Shalane Flanagan, who won New York that fall prior, mm -hmm. lined up with me and we competed in Rio together. And she was like kind of struggling and it's like, I'm going to use the bathroom. Do you think that's okay? Not like legal or not, but like, do you think this is a good race tactic? But it's such yeah. a slow day. I was like, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll help you recatch the group. So she ran off the course, used the bathroom, came back in and we worked together to kind of catch the pack again. And, and as I was doing that, I just found my legs and had a better better rhythm and it was sort of like as we closed the gap I was yeah actually you can tell that everyone's feeling bad today this mm -hmm. isn't a woe is me this is a woe is everyone <laughs> so it kind of changed the mindset from there and then I was able to just compete the last half of the race you certainly earned the celebration that you had afterwards how, how did you celebrate so I'm a big bourbon fan there was plenty mm -hmm. of that going around I'm a big Formula One fan as well so if you've ever watched Daniel Ricardo get on a podium he pops the champagne, puts it in the shoe, and does the shoey. Uh, yeah. So I used a Brooks shoe and, and had a nice uh, champagne toast out of a Brooks shoe. <gasps> out of your shoe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You got to do a lot of really cool things as the winner of the Boston Marathon that year. What, what, what was maybe the coolest thing to you? Presented a Billboard Award for Best Female Artist of the Year, which uh, Taylor Swift won. So there's oh, a nice, wow. you know, shot of me hugging Taylor, and she's very tall. <laughs> <laughs> That is super cool. Helen mentioned in addition to uh, your marathon accomplishments, you actually are the world record holder in the 50K, which I could not believe is actually longer than a marathon. Just a little bit. Yeah. 42.K uh, is the marathon. 50K is you know, separate distance, 31 miles. Oh, um, man. Yeah, the pandemic was an odd time. We did. Weird yeah. Things. So that was something that you that was something you did when when a bunch of marathons had been canceled just to, to try to 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 try something new? Because that was the first time you'd ever done one and you, you broke the record. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, just a record chase and something to do during our time off and truthfully a way to pay the bills. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And your goal was uh, to finish it in three hours. Do you remember your actual time? Just under. I had to sprint at the end of all that. Uh, I think I was 259.54 or something. Yeah, that's right amazing. There. All right. Well, you have not announced your fall plans. Uh, there was a tease that you were going to do a marathon this fall. Is there anything you can tell us about what your plans are coming up? Yeah, super excited. I will be in the New York City Marathon again this year, part of the pro field. My finished as high as fifth there. Would like mm-hmm. to be a little bit better this time around. So we'll certainly uh, wish you well in that. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Liz. First, we wanted to know what marathon did Deslin did win in 2018 and almost win in 2011. Helen, what did Liz Mealy say? Liz said Boston. And Des? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good job, Liz. <laughs> Liz doing a little happy dance. All right, next we wanted to know, within five minutes, what was Des's winning time in 2018, which was over 15 minutes longer than when she came in second in 2011? Helen, what did Liz say? Liz said 210. And Des? I wish. That is incorrect. <laughs> That's a fast time. The actual time was? 239.55. So I would have taken the 210. I'm just helping you out. That's the team. <laughs> I'm giving you goals. I like it. I like it. All right. No point there, but a very admirable time nonetheless. And then finally wanted to know, how did Dez's prize winnings in 2018 compare to that of the male winner of that same race? Helen, what did Liz say? Liz said less to nothing. <laughs> and Des? Wrong. They are exactly equal. Men and women's uh, prize money well, is the same. Well, that's just nice to hear this year. Yeah. <laughs> Liz and I are both shocked. I don't even care that I lost the point. I'm like, good for us. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out there's still some uh, institutions that are not entirely evil. Uh, That's great to hear. Yeah, I'm like playing Beyonce songs on my side. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, before we let you go, Des, uh, is there anything, Liz, that you'd like to ask of her while we have her? Oh, my God, I'm just so excited. This is a really dumb question. Do you drink, like, protein powder or do any of that protein shake stuff? And if so, does it have to be whey? Can it be something else? Oh, gosh. I do, because after a run, like before your tacos, you should get some recovery stuff in. So in that 20 to 30 minutes, you don't want anything heavy yet. So those protein shakes, I use Power Bar. Um, Mm -hmm. They do a recovery mix. Shake that up and have it. I don't know if it's whey or not. I don't think it matters. I think you need a carb to protein ratio that's correct. So any recovery mix is great. And you can find all that info in a runner's world behind your toilet, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she also won the callback race. Very yeah, nice, yeah, Des. Yeah, yeah. uh, all right. Well, the lesson learned is have your protein, have your tacos, have your coffee, have your bourbon. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, Des Linden, where can they do that? Oh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Des underscore Linden. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. It's Des Linden. All right, Helen. What is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that exciting round, Liz Mealy has seven points and Alex Goldman has two and a half points with a round of questions for Alex coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Alex about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Liz and Alex will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, enough is never enough. Never enough. Uh uh, please explain. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> this is all about the wonderful mobile game called Best Fiends. It's a free-to-download app that is so fun. It's a match-three casual mobile puzzle game. I don't know about you, Helen, but I actually play a bunch of different match-three casual mobile puzzle games, and Best Fiends is really the coolest. It's got incredible graphics and music and strategy. Sometimes you're just not satisfied with what you have and you want more. More is better. More is fun. And Best Fiends gives you more of that. More puzzles, more me time, and more 
Fun. Helen, guess what level I currently am on on Best Fiends. I'm going to open it up right now so I can confirm or deny your guess. Is it level one? Helen, I'm flattered that you would think that I would still be on level one, but no, I have uh, managed to get all the way up to level 31. What? And you know what? I'm not even close to getting through this game because they keep adding amazing levels. I think what I love most about the game is that it's so different. It really makes you think a lot more creatively in order to get through uh, the different levels. It's challenging and yet also super fun. I think I've heard of Mystery Keith. It's like best friends, but without the R. Exactly. Best fiends. And Best Fiends is the best because once you download it, you can play it anywhere. Even if you don't have an internet connection, you can collect all sorts of different fiends and characters that get you powered up as you play more levels. It is challenging and also fun with thousands and thousands. Oh, my God. I'm just learning that now. There are thousands and thousands of levels, Helen. I'm only on 31. What? Oh, I got to get going. I was going to ask, is it 31 out of 100? But no. No, it is thousands. Oh, gosh. I am going to have a very fun weekend. Hey, tell them about the call to action about Best Fiends. Download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5, which you have done, J. Keith, so you already know about that. Yeah. That's Best Fiends, friends without the R, Best Fiends. And that's why we say, thank Thank you, Best Fiends. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. That, that is true. It's important in this context because we host a medical history podcast called Sawbones. Oh, I thought we were going to. We shouldn't work on that. Sawbones. Sawbones isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, are vaccines as safe and reliable as they want us to believe? Yes. Do I have to get a flu shot? Yes. Uh, okay. Is science a miracle? No. We have a lot of great history for you and a lot of laughs. And sometimes the history is so bad that there's no laughs. But you'll learn something. You'll feel something. And it's always Sawbones. That's right. Every week on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Liz Mealy and Alex Goldman. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Alex, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Evil Dead movie franchise, 90s indie rock in southeastern Michigan, and early hip-hop. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the Evil Dead movie franchise means to you. I was always pretty fascinated by horror as a kid, but also incredibly scared of it in a way mm-hmm. like where it, it, like, it damaged me. Like, it was very, very scary to me. So there was all this stuff that scared me so bad, and I was, like, really interested in it, but, like, couldn't really look at it. And then one of my friends was like, watch, let's watch Evil Dead 2, which is basically a terrifying comedy. Mm. And it was, like, this nice way to just settle in. It was, like, to, to soak in horror but not be too freaked out and i'm like the biggest horror fan in the world now like i will watch anything i have no standards i will watch it no matter how good or bad it is <laughs> does it still keep you up at night no absolutely not i watch it to sleep now i watch <laughs> it when i like when i'm like i need to unwind i'll put on some bad horror movie on a streaming service but like the evil dead franchise actually runs the gamut so like the first one is actually just a straight horror movie it's very low budget it's very cool and creative the second one is also very creative but there's like a lot of comedy aspects to it mm-hmm. and the third one is like a straight up 
Three Stooges style goofball comedy. <laughs> I just find it incredibly entertaining. There was also a three season television show on mm -hmm. Showtime, I think. Stars? I don't know. I did not pirate it illegally is what I'm trying to say. Okay, also, yes. there was a remake a few years ago, which was not funny at all. Very intense. Liked it a lot. Awesome. You also said you know a lot about 90s indie rock in southeastern Michigan. Well, I mean, I was a 90s indie rocker in southeastern Michigan. Oh, okay. Uh, so from your own experience, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I feel like I was about two steps away from greatness at all times. Like, I was in bands with people who went on to do actual things. I lived with people who went on to become, like, real musicians. I was in a band with Andrew W.K. in high school. Mm -hmm. I was friends with the guys who went on to form this very popular noise rock band called Wolf Eyes. Um, the, I lived with a guy for a while who played the theme song for the uh, Dennis Leary Fireman Show, Rescue Me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, like, all of these people were, like, in my orbit, mm -hmm. and I was a moderately talented musician who may have opened for them once or twice. Very, very cool. <laughs> All right, and finally, Alex, you said you know a lot about early hip-hop. When I was in high school, I only listened to, like, indie rock, and then I started working at a subway, and my coworker <laughs> only listened to Garth Brooks and the Wu-Tang Clan. And the Wu-Tang Clan, I was like, oh, I get, like, I get, like, hip-hop now I understand. Mm. And it was this time when, like, I was discovering music, and the way that I discovered music was just working my way backwards. So I would like find a band, find their influences, listen to the influences, listen to those influences, and I was like getting back, way back into like you know Delta blues and stuff with like mm. rock and roll, and I just like fell in love with like the sincerity and like silliness mm -hmm. and like the way it sounded very dated but still very contemporary and like the way that it influenced the way that disco influenced hip-hop and the way that hip-hop influenced dance music like mm. i just loved all of that stuff so i got really really deep into it very cool all right well to summarize alex you said you know a lot about the evil dead movie franchise 90s indie rock in southeastern michigan and early hip-hop today we're going to quiz you about the evil dead movie franchise all right let's do it let's do it indeed well before that tell us a little bit more about uh the things you love about it do you have a favorite of the franchise evil dead 2 is kind of the gold standard because mm -hmm. it's not too funny and it's not it's not too silly and it's not too scary but it's just like a movie that feels endlessly creative like he's being chased by a demonic spirit through his house and then suddenly rather than this tiny little cabin having like four rooms he's like going through walls and there's like rooms <laughs> that seem like they shouldn't exist like the geometry of it suddenly becomes impossible yeah jokes like that are just like so funny and like so creative and so weird to put in a movie that's otherwise like incredibly gory i just really love that about those movies it's really cool to see you light up when you're talking about that as well that's, that's what we that's that's sort of what the show is all about that's wonderful all right well just ahead we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic but before that we'll give you a chance to show off here are five trivia questions about your topic each worth one point now if you want it you're allowed a total of two hints among these five questions now liz do listen closely because you can steal if alex gets any wrong liz how much do you know about the evil dead movie franchise I hate horror movies. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm a child. I've watched like three. I still have nightmares about them. I am a baby. So they are as appealing to you as marathons are as appealing to Alex. Yeah, we are. I didn't know. This is like an opposite putting together of um, people because I am. He's like gross and I'm like gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And yet we don't find uh, each other gross. So that's the nice thing about the show. Great. All right, Alex, here's question number one. And by the way, we're going to be focusing on the original trilogy of Evil Dead movies for this quiz. Okay. 
Evil Dead director Sam Raimi is credited with coining the term fake shemps to refer to actors who replace other actors, especially in stunts, and indeed this credit appears in all of his Evil Dead films. Fake shemp is a reference to the actual practice by what legendary comedy trio who brought in other actors to pretend to be the deceased Shemp Howard? The Three Stooges. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact that fake Shemp technique is still used today, such as earlier this year on the TV show The Goldbergs, where producers had to create an appearance by Jeff Garlin, who had been fired from the show by employing a double pre-existing footage and CGI, and it looked weird. All right, here's question (laughs) number two. Alex, the evil dead refers to, and I hope this is not a spoiler, dead people who are evil. They haunt the living according to a curse found in something called the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. By what name is Necronomicon Ex Mortis or Naturum Demanto more commonly called, both in these movies and in other works of popular culture? The Book of the Dead. Helen. That is correct. Please, you're scaring Liz. (laughs) Yes, that is correct for the point. Very good. (laughs) Fun fact, the Necronomicon is a word coined by H.P. Lovecraft and first appeared in his short story, The Hound, which was published 100 years ago in 1922. Alex, you're two for two. Here's question number three. In all of the movies to properly use the Book of the Dead, a user must recite certain words. But in Army of Darkness, the lead character has some trouble remembering the proper way to say Klaatu Barada Niktu, and instead substitutes guesses for the final word. But which one of the following does he not try in his attempt to guess Niktu? Is it Klaatu Barada Nickel, Klaatu Barada Nectar, Klaatu Barada Nektai, Klaatu Barada Nincompoop, or Klaatu Barada <laughs> I think, ooh, this one's tough. Um, and not to outquiz you, but that <laughs> phrase comes from the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still mm-hmm. from the 50s. Could I use a hint? Absolutely. Helen, how about that first hint? Klaatu Barada Nickel is one of his attempts. Oh. All right, it's between nectar and nincompoop. I'm going nectar. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Liz Mealy with a chance to steal. I'm going to say nincompoop just because he thinks it. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. A successful (laughs) steal for Liz. Sorry, Good work, Liz. You know a lot about horror movies. Wow. Yeah, Liz, you really do. Amazing. Fun fact, that phrase originated in the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. It is also referenced in films from Return of the Jedi all the way to Sonic the Hedgehog 2. All right, Alex, let's see if you can bounce back. Here's question number four. Evil Dead 2 is sometimes described as a requel, sort of a reboot of the first movie, but also sort of a sequel. And Army of Darkness is mostly a sequel to Evil Dead 2, but in a way it's a reboot because when it shows footage from the second movie, some of the actors have been recast. Take Linda, who is played by a different actor in all three of these movies, but no matter who plays her, is always wearing a top with the name of what school? Michigan State. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. (laughs) Alex pumping his fist in triumph. Fun fact, in Army of Darkness, Linda is portrayed by Bridget Fonda, who starred in singles and single white female movies released the same year as Army of Darkness. All right, Alex, here's question number five. You do still have your hint available. Alex, we started by asking about fake shemps, and one of the people credited as a fake shemp in the first Evil Dead movie is Sam Raimi's brother Ted, or Theodore. In Evil Dead 2, he's credited as Possessed Henrietta, a role he reprised in the Ash vs. Evil Dead TV series. But as what role is Theodore Raimi listed in the end credits of Army of Darkness? I know that he's like one of the knights that's in the castle and i feel like he's like there's he's like two different nights and two different shots but i Mm. can't remember exactly what it is 
Can I get a hint? Helen, how about that second hint? He fights in a war. And if he were in the Wizard of Oz, he'd ask for courage like a certain lion did. Cowardly soldier. Helen? I'll give it to you. You will? Okay. Uh, Cowardly warrior is the actual credit, but uh, Helen is Ah, being very generous with you. Cowardly warrior for the point. Uh, Fun fact, Ted Raimi actually played multiple roles in Army of Darkness, but he was credited in the end credits with only that one. All right, Alex, you did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. All right, Alex, as we mentioned, several actors play some same and different characters in the Evil Dead trilogy, but there are a couple that stay consistent, specifically Ash and his car. For up to three points, what is Ash's full first and last name? Next, what kind of car does Ash drive in all of the original Evil Dead movies? And finally, who played Ash? Okay. His full name is Ashley Williams. Okay. I hope there's not a middle name there. The car, which appears in every Sam Raimi movie, is a, I want to say, Delta 88. Okay. I think that's the model. Do you you have the, the make that you can give us as well? A Ford Delta 88. All right. And he is portrayed by character actor Bruce Campbell. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a prolific actor, author, and producer who played Ash in the (gasps) Evil Dead franchise. It's Bruce Campbell. Hello, Bruce Campbell. Hello, hello. Oh, my gosh. It's really you. (laughs) This is huge for me. (laughs) This is huge for a lot of us. Liz, we want this to be huge for you one day. We'll get you you into this. Yeah, no, he seems like a nice guy. (laughs) <laughs> well, let, let's find out. Uh, no, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I actually watched all of these Evil Dead movies last week to prepare for this, and I was delighted to learn that you actually offer opportunities for people to watch the Evil Dead movies with you. Uh, there's an event you do called Watch with Bruce. Uh, tell us what those are like. It's a live commentary, and the problem with doing commentaries where the movie doesn't stop is that you're telling your funny story, and then you miss two or three other stories because the movie never stops playing. So I do it with a clicker now. Oh, that's smart. Uh, when, when, whenever anything comes up that I have a story for, bam, I pause it, blah, 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 and then I start the movie. Because most people in the audience don't need a continuous screening. They've seen it 102 times, right. so they want the behind-the-scenes stuff. <laughs> it adds about a half an hour to the movie, so it's, it's about a two-hour event, and I've got a few of those coming up later. That's wow. fantastic. Well, of course, in addition to the Evil Dead franchise, people recognize you from TV, from your long one on Burn Notice, Xena Warrior Princess, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and many animation voices. Of course, on film, you've been in several Spider-Man movies, several Coen Brothers movies, plus stuff like Bubba Hotep, Escape from L.A., and much more, as well as you've produced and directed several projects. One of my favorites uh, is Burn Notice. I love that show. And I really, speaking of commentary, your DVD commentary on Burn Notice, I, I, I made me tweet at the time, Bruce Campbell should be the DVD commentary on everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the trick was to be second fiddle mm. in a TV show. Never be the lead in a TV show. It's too much work. Yeah. Second fellow gets to crack jokes and go home. Yeah. Oh, that's Hold great. Hold on. I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never be yeah. the lead. Oh, I'm already there. Okay. okay. Never, <laughs> Good job. Never. Helen mentioned that you're an author. You're actually a New York Times bestselling author. You've got two autobiographies. One is called If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, and Hail to the Chin, Further Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. Why only two autobiographies, Bruce? Well, uh, the final trilogy in my trilogy, mm-hmm. the... 
the final confession. Yeah. That's I'm about 15 years away from. Oh, it. okay. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll look forward to being in it. Is the trick the chins truly? No, uh, I was never. I, I never touted my chin. I never bragged about it. But a bunch of reviewers would never shut up about it. Oh. The square-jawed Bruce Campbell, the lantern-jawed Bruce Campbell. I'm like, what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, let's talk about Evil Dead. It, th there are so many ways I was reading that these movies almost didn't happen. What, what were some of the obstacles that, uh, that you ran into making them? Everything that was related to money. Okay. We would raise some money. We didn't raise enough. We'd shoot the movie anyway. We came back to Michigan from Tennessee with about two-thirds of the movie shot, raised some more money, go shoot another couple of days. It, it went like that for about three years. Everyone thinks the movie came out in 1982. Mm -hmm. Well, we shot it in 1979. That's what I'm <laughs> wow. basing it on. It just took forever to get done. And, you know, we couldn't stop because we had relatives and friends money in this. There was no way we couldn't walk away from it. Wow. That's cool. Well, um, of course, it was a very low budget movie, notoriously. Were there things that you thought as you were doing it, like, there's no way this is going to look scary on screen? Or maybe the opposite. You thought this is going to look amazing. We didn't know anything because we didn't know anything. Okay. <laughs> it was really a voyage of discovery mm -hmm. because for me, it was like, okay, you're, you're a lead actor. Well, what does that mean? What kind of acting are we doing mm -hmm. here? And, we, and with Sam, he did a lot of experimenting with the camera. Uh, we had sequences that we were concerned wouldn't cut together. Sam had a whole sequence of 45 degree angles that would cut against each other. Mm -hmm. And we we thought, I don't know, this might be too extreme. It's the most contemporary sequence of the movie now. It's interesting to see how many mm. other movies were influenced by some famous shots from those. I'm thinking of you know the perspective of like the eyeball traveling at high speed and how you started to see that in, in a lot of other movies after that. Sure, the eyeball flyball. That's what oh, that, that was. <laughs> Very good. You and Sam Raimi, of course, stuck with each other, appeared in several of his films, and you actually are now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially because of the latest Doctor Strange movie. Tell us about what that was like. As Sam Raimi says, I'm doing the same crap with just a lot more money. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're doing the same gags. The, the only thing that's different is, you know, Sam and I, we spent a lot of time on set trash talking each other of oh. like, you know, Sam would say, and cut. That was great, Bruce, for somebody else's movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go, oh, really? Wow, I guess we need to find a real director then, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, Sam in the last 20 years has become a famous Hollywood director, but I knew right. him 20 years before that. So when I start trash talking him back, these proper English crews are like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, that I'm like a day player. They think I'm just a day player. And, and why is he harassing Sam? And they're also kind of curious why Sam suddenly becomes really mean when I come around. <laughs> you know, Tobey Maguire from the, the Spider-Man movies, the first three, at one point he, he said to me, he goes, God, we were shooting this scene the other day. And Sam, Sam was like really mean to me. I go, congratulations. It means he likes you. <laughs> you're, you're in the company. Yeah. That's cool. I will say I, like Liz, am not a horror fan. I'm too, like, skittish and squeamish. And so I understand. I, I was more introduced to you, I think, for the reboot, the, the, the Ash versus okay. Evil Dead. And I will say, like, the little bit that I've seen, like, you just look like you're having a blast. Well, that's dangerous, of course, because, you know, if, it, if you have a good time, the movie usually sucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the Evil Dead film franchise uh, is continuing. There's uh, an upcoming film in the series that you actually now are an executive producer on. The rumors I've read is that you do not appear in the film. Is is that? Can you confirm or deny that? I can confirm happily that I'm okay. not. <laughs> uh, Ash, Ash, Ash has hung up the chainsaw. 
I do voice work now for Ash. The Evil Dead yeah, game yeah. is out. Sure. So I'll do that guy. And, you know, we're working on an animated series now. So I'll jump in on that guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, yeah, it's not with me. It's directed by a new a wonderkin picked by Mr. Sam Raimi, a Lee Cronin. It's called Evil Dead Rise. It wasn't initially set for theatrical. Right. It's going to be on HBO Max, I think, right? Correct. But now with all the big cogs eating the little cogs. Oh, right. It may go theatrical because the last test screening we had uh, got scores that were very impressive. And this, I think the executives spit their lattes out. <laughs> of like, oh well, crap! Maybe we should put this in theaters. So that's that's what we're hoping for. We'll we'll find out. Awesome. Let's get to the reason we brought you here. As far as our game is concerned, you heard the questions that we asked of Alex. First, we wanted to know what is Ash's full first and last name. Helen, what did Alex say? Alex said Ashley Williams. And Bruce. Yeah, it's Ashley J. Williams, but I, you know, I won't get hung up on technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that's all right. We actually found out the, the middle name was uh, Joanne, I think, in Ash vs. Evil Dead. But from the movies, we found out Ashley and Williams. So uh, good. A point there for Alex. Great. Next, we want to know what kind of car does Ash drive in all of the original Evil Dead movies? Helen, what did Alex say? Alex first said Delta 88, and then he added Ford. Ford Delta 88. On my um, goading, but uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, Bruce? well, nice nice try, Alex. It's an Oldsmobile, part of the GM family. Uh, that piece of crap is a 1973 Delta 88 Oldsmobile. Yeah, so uh, would you like to give him half a point, full point? Up to you. Well, on that one, yeah, I'd, let, I'd go half because half you point. just, you, you can't, look, as a Chevy guy, you can't say Ford. You, that, <laughs> I mean, dude. These are two Michiganders like, talking, so uh, yeah. No, you can't do that. So yeah, that's a half. That's a halfer. Yeah, and uh, the, the, tell us a little bit about the story of that car, because as you mentioned, it keeps showing up with you in Sam Raimi movies. Well, it's in every Sam Raimi movie, and I'm telling you, including, write this down, Quick and the Dead, which is a Western. <laughs> so how is it in Quick and the Dead, yeah. you ask? Well, he had the chassis wait, removed. Wait, let me ask. How is it in Quick and the Dead? Thank you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> he tipped, They took the chassis off and built a covered wagon over the top oh, of it. Amazing. <laughs> so you can say it was in there. The movie Darkman. Darkman's hanging from a helicopter, swinging through the city. He hits a car. Bam. It's that car. <laughs> it's in the Spider-Man movies. It's in A Simple Plan. It's like Billy Bob Thornton's crappy car. Uh, all I can say is something wonderful must have happened in that car. That's all I can say. <laughs> I think something special stuck in his mind, and he has spent so many thousands of dollars shipping that thing around the world so that it can be in his in his movies. Very quickly, in Ash vs. Evil Dead, I feel like that car gets, like, destroyed, blood-covered, like... How did, yeah. did you have to ha have several? Did you have fake interiors? Like, what's uh, going sir, on there? there were probably five different uh, deltas that wow. we would use. Uh, there's the hero delta that you couldn't really do anything bad to because Sam would kill you. So mm. the, there was the one car that was the correct interior, exterior. But honestly, even that car, I would say, is about 22% original. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got All it. right. And then finally, we wanted to know who played Ash in the Evil Dead series. Helen, what did Alex say? Alex said Bruce Campbell. And sir? Okay, yeah. You know what? That's close enough. That's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> We're going to accept it. Yeah. Very good for the point. Alex, while we have Bruce here, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask of him? There is one question I, I did have. Okay. There's an Evil Dead remake. It's, it's very gritty and intense and over the top. The very end... 
post credits, the main character is walking, limping down the highway, and you roll up in your car and unlock the car and open the door. Was there ever any plan to make a sequel where you two are uh, hanging out and causing there was trouble? A, there was a discussion. It was a pretty short discussion. <laughs> we fiddled with that, but we thought it was a strong enough ending as it was. And movies do this all the time, Alex. They, they, they'll shoot two or three different endings, which is why I'm glad we make mostly lower budget movies because they make you shoot fewer endings for lower budget movies. Oh, really? The higher the budget, the more endings. <laughs> well, we need to uh, end our segment here. We're so happy that you joined us. If people want to find out more about what you or your work, Bruce, where can they do that? They can go to my ancient website, you know, bruce-campbell.com. If you don't put the hyphen in, you get a Dodge dealership in Michigan. <laughs> Bruce Campbell Dodge, so you yeah. put the hyphen in. But, which you know, which again, is that, not General Motors, so we don't support that. Correct. Thank yeah. you. Excellent. We're so happy and honored that you joined us. Bruce Campbell, everybody. Woo-hoo! Thank you. Thank Thanks you so much, me. Bruce. It was wonderful to meet you. Alex, Absolutely. good job, sir. Good job. Thanks. And Thanks. I heard that Michigan accent creeping in. Oh, really? Not many people say that. Not many people oh, hear yeah. it. A little Michigan goes a long way, yeah. pal. We had a little yeah. bit of a Michigan theme today by accident. Thanks. It kind of worked uh-huh. out that way. That's awesome. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? Ooh, it's a tight game, J. Keith. At the end of that round, Liz Mealy has eight points and Alex Goldman has nine points. All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Liz and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Abercrombie & Fitch. True. Correct. Okay. I thought these were going to be really hard. I thought there was oh, like, no. what? <laughs> we, we try to start easy, but yeah, uh, we oh. can start easier. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Dolce & Gabbana. True. Correct. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Snake & Tie. False. Correct. Yeah, not that we could find. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Rat & Boa. True. Correct. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Brontosaurus Hobgoblin. <laughs> True. Incorrect. No. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Troglodyte Homunculus. False. Incorrect. No. What? Brontosaurus Hobgoblin would be silly, but everyone knows Troglodyte Homunculus. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Black Milk. True. Correct. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Black Weirdos. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Four Corners of a Square. True. Incorrect. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Four Corners of a Circle. Uh, True. Correct. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Four Corners of a Triangle. False. Correct. Alex, there's a fashion brand called Four Corners of a Parallelogram. False. Correct. Liz, there's a fashion brand called Four Corners of a Dodecahedron. False. Correct. Alex, I only know there's a shape called a dodecahedron because of The Simpsons. True. Correct. And finally, Liz, the only reason I know most things is because of The Simpsons. True. Correct. All right, we're not going to count those last few. I want to thank Liz Mealy and Alex Goldman as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's episode? I am. It's a very tight game, but we do have a winner. At the end of the game, Liz Mealy has 11 points and Alex Goldman has 12 points. Congratulations, Alex Goldman. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Alex, what will you do with your championship? I am going to uh, hang up and pick up my kids from summer camp. So, <laughs> what, what would you have done if you had not won today? I would have hung up and picked up my kids from summer camp. <laughs> All right. Oh, what a so. difference a victory makes. That just leaves us the chance for everyone here to promote anything they might like. Liz Mealy, where can people find you and what you're up to? Everything is at Liz Mealy, M-I-E-L-E. And I have a new special coming out on YouTube September 6th. And um, I'm touring all over. So 
come see a live date. Everything's LizMealy.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, yeah. Liz Mealy. Alex Goldman, where can people find you and what you're up to? You can find me on Twitter at a Goldmund, G O L D M U N D. A Goldman was taken. My last name isn't Goldmund. <laughs> also, you can find me on Instagram at Malice Goldman, but I never post there, so why would you? Mm. I put out an album. You can find it on Spotify or wherever. It's called, by a band called Slow Fawns. The album is called Isolation 2. I am in between jobs and really working hard to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone listening is very much looking forward to finding out what that is. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex Goldman. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, what do you have going on? If you are in the Colorado Springs area, I'll be performing at 3E's Comedy Club August 26th and 27th. And if you're not, you can watch my comedy special, Well Hong, on most streaming platforms. Excellent. Thank you so much, Helen Hong. Uh, And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Liz Mealy, Alex Goldman, Des Linden, Bruce Campbell, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Our next shows are Sunday, August 21st in Las Vegas. Las Vegas! Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Psychological Girl did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, this is a fun game show that doesn't take itself too seriously. The male host is Jay Keith, not Jake Heath, as I thought for the first four episodes. <laughs> Thanks, Psychological Girl. That's good to know. <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jay Keith, not Jake Heath. Vance Stratton, and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer and all-around awesome person is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and an evil dead fighter is Julian Burrell. <laughs> Today's show engineer is hero Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif plus Dr. James and Patricia Ramsey. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher, Leora Saul, Mike Avellanos, Bart Gold, and Brian Phillips. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Velada. Special thanks to Barry McPherson and Joe Amato at the Agency for the Performing Arts. Sheila Kenny at Right On PR. And Josh Cox and his colleague Larry Rosenblatt at Boom Management. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch Evil Dead movies. Or right on a marathon? No. Which seems less scary to you. Yeah, but I Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.